Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. We are back for another edition of the Osmo MMA Strategy Shows. We get you ready for UFC 269. Of course, goes down on Saturday night inside a T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. We are sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. We'll talk about Monkey Knife Fight here later on in the show. But, Pete, we got a ton of fights to break down here. Uh, obviously, on paper, tremendous fight card we got here on Saturday night. Yeah, I think we're going to be spoiled, man. I'm so happy. This is such a, an amazing fight card. You know me, I don't like looking ahead too much. I like to take it all in on Monday. And then when I when I saw it and I'm like, from top to bottom, it's just littered with amazing, you know, fights and some exceptional matches and some highly skilled bouts. Like it's one thing to have exciting fights. It's another to have highly skilled contests. So all in all, I can't wait. Yeah, and there are, uh, I, I was writing down some notes before we started the show. I, I labeled two fights as boom bust fights. Okay. I think I don't think they're that hard to figure out who they might be. All right. Well, I can probably tell you that we're on the same page. I already know it's probably the Bruno Silva Jordan Wright fight. That's definitely one of them. Yes. Um, Come on, the other one's the easy one to figure out. Tai Tuivasa Augusto. Sakai. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. That's 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 a boom bust because it's not like either one of those guys throw a ton of volume. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But of course, uh, the main event of this car, lightweight title fight, Charles Oliveira making his first title defense against Dustin Poirier, 7,600 for Charles Oliveira, 8,600 for Dustin Poirier. I was saying this earlier this week on my podcast, like the feeling I have going this fight, like it almost makes you feel like it's actually Dustin Poirier defending the title as opposed to actually being Charles Oliveira. But when, when I think about this fight, Pete, uh, from the, from the Charles Oliveira aspect of this is you got to be a complete martial artist. Don't let three letters get in the way of going out there to defend your title. And those three letters are EGO. Don't get into a brawl with Dustin Poirier. Like I, I truly just feel like if Charles Oliveira is going to walk away with, with the title on Saturday night and come in as an underdog here, to me, it's about being a complete martial artist. Yeah. And uh, I have to say, if you guys aren't checking out uh, Jason's work, I definitely and strongly recommend you guys do so. Uh, he interviews some of the best people in the business and also chats about everything leading up to fight weeks for tons of different cards. So I absolutely love it um, for this matchup. I can't wait. I, I really love this fight. And I do think that everybody views Dustin Poirier as like the uncrowned champ. And it's because of what he's done, his legitimate resume, who he's fought. You beat Conor McGregor. So obviously you kind of have this superstardom in everybody's mind that you basically are at the top of the heap. Um, even though Charles Oliveira looked, you know, he had to overcome some adversity in that Chandler fight but ultimately looked excellent as the fight prolonged, uh, you know, overcame adversity, displayed his newly improved striking that over the years he, he has really developed from a talented grappler into a well-rounded mixed martial artist. But that does come at a cost where you don't want him to start, you know, 
believing in his striking so much that he gets away from his strong suit, make this a well-rounded mixed martial arts bout, uh, test Dustin's take down the fence, which I think is going to hold up. Um, just mix things up basically. And like you said, don't get into a brawl with Dustin Poirier. All in all, I cannot wait for this fight. The pricing on both is absolutely appropriate. I do think that Charles Oliveira has a, a better chance than, than what the salary reflects at 7,600. I am favoring Dustin Poirier in the fight because I've trained with Dustin. So I know what he's capable of. I've watched him train more times than not. And his grappling is amazing and it can be amazing defensively. Uh, it, obviously in that Habib Nurmagomedov fight, it doesn't look like he has excellent, you know, defensive grappling, but that's just a whole nother level. I do think that Charles is close to that, but all in all, I'm really favoring Dustin Poirier in the matchup, but I'm going to have plenty of, of Charles Oliveira at 7,600. Yeah. I mean, I think one of my questions about Charles Oliveira heading the fight is what happens if this fight mm-hmm. does hit the championship rounds. Cause we just don't know what Charles Oliveira can look at that. But you, know, you mentioned about the grappling aspect of this and outside of the Habib fight, for Dustin Poirier, he hasn't really faced someone that's going to challenge him in terms of grappling. You look at his previous opponents. You had you know back-to-back fights against Connor, Dan Hooker. There was a Habib fight. But prior to that, Max Holloway, Eddie Alvarez, Justin Cagey, Anthony Pettis, Eddie Alvarez. You really got to go back to 2017. The last time he's really fought someone not named Habib that was going to impose a grappling game, and that was Jim Miller. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I really think that Charles Oliveira is going to test Poirier. This is going to be a dogfight, and I think it's going to come out with who has the more dog in them. And I do think that Dustin Poirier can really bite down on that mouthpiece and dig deeper. Um, I kind of think that's the narrative. A lot of people are, are you know, repeating that Charles Oliveira has some, some levels of quit in him, but I do think that he has improved on that, and I think that his improvements have largely been based on his uh, uplifting confidence. Uh, whenever a fighter starts to believe in themselves, that's when you start to – see them deal with adversity a little bit, you know, different and a little bit better. Um, Dustin Poirier is going to be tested. Dan Hooker tested him throughout that in exchanges in the clinch. I do think that Charles Oliveira can replicate that and have success. Um, But I think that Oliveira is hittable and he does take a ton of damage at times. And sometimes he ends up being the nail when he's fighting an aggressive fighter. And I, I think the takedown defense and the preparation behind Dustin Poirier, you know, training out of American top team with legitimate training partners and just high level coaches every single day. I'm favoring Dustin in the matchup. But like I said, for my lineups, if I'm doing a 150 max, you you can't really get better than Charles Oliveira as a, as an underdog at 7,600. You know, speaking about that, the fact that you said, you know, Hey, I want both sides of this fight when I'm yeah. talking about mass entries, uh, you know, Sam will say, are we, are we saying a 60 40 split? Um, I believe in, in Dustin a little bit more than that. So it'll probably be like uh 65, 35. So yeah, I mean, that's basically right on par, but that's just me. I think a, a normal person will, will want to get at least one of these fighters in their lineup. Cause I do feel like it has optimal implications. Um, it's going to be a little bit easier to put Charles Oliveira into your lineups, just given the salary reduction and, and, you know, being in that salary range where you're really hoping that somebody comes through. Uh, even in a loss, you could possibly see Charles Oliveira pull off a high score. So for me, it's like a 65, 35, but I, I don't know if you feel the same about it. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of in that similar situation. I mean, I, I think one of the things that I'm thinking about in terms of, of roster construction is whether or not, you know, we, we have to go with hundred percent on the main event, or maybe do we, you know, 
go a little bit less on that because you know what happens if maybe this fight does you know, like mm-hmm. you always talk about you know in a five round fight what happens if that stoppage comes in the third round is that going to be an optimal fight that's just kind of where i'm at uh in terms of this one of course we appreciate everyone in here on a thursday afternoon watching us be sure to give us a like and subscribe also right here on youtube so you keep track with all the shows that we have on here of course coming up after us will be the nhl strategy show and if you're not a member of also plus you want to get a little peek what's behind the paywall today's free premium day and tools our Thursday night football player rankings, NBA main slate ownership projections, and NHL ownership projections. So be sure to check out that free content we have over there at awesomeo.com. Of course, uh, me and P will be live here until uh, 2 o'clock Eastern time. We will be here on Saturday for live before lock, which will be live, uh, I want to say it's from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday for live before lock. Co-main event is also a title matchup. We've got Amanda Nunez being challenged by Juliana Pena. Juliana Pena, 6,900. Amanda Nunez, 9,500. You know, look, I don't give Juliana Pena uh, a huge chance to to pull this one off. Um, Like, like to me, it's clear that she's going to try to put Amanda on her back. That's very clear to me. But uh, I was watching some of the the media scrums from yesterday, and uh, Nunez uh, said this about uh, Juliana Pena. She's a clown. She wants attention, meaning Juliana Pena. Yeah. I mean, Amanda's usually pretty composed and not too fired up. The fact that she's fired up a little bit, it doesn't like make me worry about anything. It just kind of has my attention because I understand how emotions can play into a fight. Uh, possibly it allows a fighter to come out a little bit too hot out the gate, which could ultimately zap your gas tank. And if you really want to poke a hole at Amanda Nunes, you'd really have to go back to 2014 in her bout against uh, Casangano, where the fatigue, fatigue really seemed to, seemed to get the uh, the best of her in that matchup, and the offensive wrestling of Casangano was difficult to deal with. And I think that Juliana Pena is going to try to um, you know, replicate that as much as she can and do her best Casangano impression. Uh, I think that Amanda Nunes back then is not the same fighter that is, you know, Amanda Nunes today with a strong stable of training partners at American Top Team. Um, at her peak of her career, she's looked almost unstoppable, but I know how MMA is. And I always give everybody a shot. Uh, any dog has its day and, uh, Juliana Pena can go out there and possibly put a pace on Amanda Nunes where she can edge her out. It's just less than 10% chance. In my opinion, I think that Amanda Nunes dominant champion has the better overall striking. If Juliana Pena does look to grapple her, Amanda Nunes has amazing submission skills as well. And we've seen that be the Achilles heel of Juliana Pena. So it's going to be tough sledding, right? You almost just have to throw caution to the wind and bully the champion and not allow the champion to really, you know, gain any momentum at all. But a lot easier said than done, Jason. We we know that we could talk about Amanda Nunes for 20 minutes about how dominant she is. Yeah, it's it's deserved though. I like I think that Amanda Nunes at 9,500 makes a ton of sense. Juliana Payne at 6,500, stupid cheap, but I think deservedly so. The thing I will say, and, and I mentioned a juicy prop, I'm glad you brought that uh, Amanda Nunez via submission plus 400, I think mm-hmm. is a very interesting prop bet out there. I mean, look, I, I just don't see a path how Juliana Payne can win this fight on the feet. I, I think she has to take this to the ground. Um, but man, I just. I don't know if this thing makes it out of the first round. No, stop it. Really? You have you really think that? Yeah. I don't think Juliana Pena is that bad. 
two and two were the last four fights, bro. Yeah, but I mean, she's getting that. this title shot because there's no one else to give the title shot to. Yeah, but yeah, okay, you're right. But sometimes, like you know, styles make fights, and um, if Pena can press Amanda Nunes bro. against the cage, I think that's where her best path to victory is. Press her against the cage. Don't allow her to have any offensive fluidity. Um, make it ugly in the clinch. Make her defend takedowns. Try to weigh on her and possibly wear her out. I still don't think it's going to be a winning strategy, but staying on the outside with Amanda Nunes, you're going to be a sucker for an overhand right, um, and you're going to get pieced up. Bro, Jermaine Deuteronomy has one submission win on her career. I know. Who's it against? I know, but okay. I know. I understand exactly what you're saying, and I agree with you. I'm not. I'm not over here saying that Juliana Pena is going to pull off an upset at all, but I just think that to think Amanda Nunes goes out there and just gets her out in one round. I mean, Felicia Spencer was extremely tough, and she went five rounds. Uh, Durandamy was tough, went five rounds. It's also probably because Juliana Pena was not expecting that against Durandamy, and that's why she ended up getting caught with that. So. I gave her a better chance than one round. It could happen, but I think this is going to be a, a finish as the fight prolongs. I just think there is such a massive advantage standing up. Like if you're Pena, like it, the mindset's got to be get this fight to the ground quickly. You do not want to. If she starts trying to stand trade, this is not going to end well for her. You would think. You would think. I I I agree with you. You would think. Um, but with small gloves, man. Sometimes you just miscalculate one shot, it lands, and the fight's not different going forward from that shot landing. That's all I'm saying. And I don't know. If she really pushes the work rate, maybe you see Amanda Nunes fatigue, but I still think it's going to be a dominant showing. A mentions, he goes, Nunez might miss weight, rich, fat, and happy. First time I went 35 in a while. Pena's best path to victory is almost lose and hope Nunez punches herself out early. Uh, Amanda Nunez talked about her weight cut, mm-hmm. saying this is the best weight cut she's ever had. Uh, they made uh, changes in her nutrition. She talked about her last fight was the absolute worst weight cut she had ever had in her life. She mentioned that as she made weight, she was crying. And she said that they made nutritional changes and everything is good on that aspect. She talked about that yesterday in Vegas. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I'm favoring Nunes. I think everybody should. But I do think that uh, Pena is better than what the public is, is you know, the public perception. I, I you know, that, that glaring hole of losing to Duran and via submission is just going to take everybody off of her. And there is a path of, testing a champion via work rate we see it all the time in mma but i do think nunez is a little bit different i will say i i in fancy cruncher i will be limiting did you miss your deadline to renew your medicaid coverage you can still send your completed annual review form to healthy connections medicaid you may be assigned to another health plan but you can ask to come back to first choice within 60 days of renewed medicaid eligibility it's your family it's your choice First choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. Exposure on on to, on Pena to oh. no more than 10%. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I mean, of course. Uh, because of course. I don't want I don't want to be running on 150 and then all of a sudden it's trying to give me 20 20% Pena because it's going to make roster construction easier. 
Oh, yeah. It, it allows you to get to anybody. All I'm saying is that there is a chance. Like, do you think that Juliana Pena has a better chance or a worse chance than Megan Anderson? Well, I know that's like MMA math, but can, let's, can, let's can, think can about I it. Can I see Juliana Pena walk into the arena just like we saw Megan Anderson who looked defeated before when she stepped in the arena? No, 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 no. We got we to gotta pick it now, but some fighters are phased, right? And some fighters are unfazed. I do think that Pena has some dog in her where like, you know, whether it's trash talk to get her to build up her own confidence um, to possibly take Amanda Nunes out of her element by being a little bit more emotional in this fight. I'm not sure, but I do think that she has a more legitimate chance than Megan Anderson did. And even Felicia Spencer to a degree. The only thing that I would, I have more faith in Megan is because she's a better stand-up fighter. Yeah. But that, yeah, her, she has such a glaring hole in a grappling. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah. It's just, look, for Payne to win, she's got to make this a grappling matchup. Yeah. She's not winning this fight on the feet. Okay. You know, uh, let's move on next one. We got Jeff Neal and Santiago Ponzanibio. Jeff Neal, 8,000. Santiago Ponzanibio, 8,200. Uh, both these guys talked yesterday about uh, this. She obviously has the makings for, uh, you know, a, a fight of the night type candidate. And, and the thing that really stuck out to me about what Jeff Neal said, he was asked about, you know, essentially saying, hey, what, what's the, the, the thing you have to look out for in terms of Santiago's abilities? And he labeled one thing, the jab. Mm. Yeah, I, I really like this fight. I think that uh, this fight's probably going to make it into the optimal lineup. I will be smashing exposure to it. And uh, more often than not, this salary range is a part of the optimal lineup just because you don't have to do so much in a win to to really make it up there. Uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio, 8,200, makes sense. Uh, looked really good in his last performance in some moments. Uh, definitely took some shots against Miguel Baeza, but you know overcame that and ended up pulling off the victory. He threw at a pretty high clip. Um, always has some uh, devastating power as well. You're facing, you know, Jeff Neal, who I do think that is a dark horse within the 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 weight class, but has fallen short against Stephen Thompson. Which, you know, we like Stephen Thompson because of how tricky that stylistic matchup was. The Neil Magny one really surprised me because you, you're fighting a guy in Magny, yes, who's long, but doesn't really take so many shots so well, and. Uh, this, this type of fight screams fireworks to me, and this seems like a phone booth fight where it could come down to who lands the big shot. I am a little bit worried about Jeff Neal's you know, focus in this fight, but I will be slightly you know, leaning in his direction. To me personally, this is the hardest fight on the entire card to call just because I feel like there are some unknowns regarding both of them. Ponzinibbio at times looked like a title challenger. Um Besides that, that knockout loss to Jing Liang, uh, he was on one quite of a run. And uh, Jeff Neal is a guy that is sometimes content to let his opponents dictate the pace and the direction of the fight. But this type of fireworks, you know, phone booth fight could bring out the best of him. I'm going to slightly edge Jeff Neal. Um, obviously, this is a Thursday look. I want to see how the, the weigh-ins go and everything. And uh, maybe we'll get a read a little bit better. But for me, this is the most difficult fight on the card. I might even just blindly smash exposure to both sides. Any concern about uh, Jeff Neal's arrest? Yes, that's what I mean. I, his lack of focus. Like, uh, I, 
man, I'll tell you, I, I've had some issues with some of my fighters where they've lacked focus in amateur fights and I've lost my mind just because I care about my fighters, right? Like, mm -hmm. I don't want you coming to practice hungover or drunk or on anything because of, you know, you got a big opportunity ahead. And if you're not taking the sport seriously, the person across from you probably is. And this is not a game. And you know, this is not, you're going to go play basketball. You're going in there and combat sports. And if you're unprepared, it really weighs on your coaches a lot. If your coaches care, if your coaches just view you as a cash cow, then it's one thing, but I do worry about him partying throughout fight camp and getting arrested and whatnot. Like I said, the lack of focus, but who knows? We don't really know the full story about that. Um, but yes, I, you know, long story short, I, I do worry about it. Uh, look, I'll give Jeff Neal a lot of credit for talking to the media yesterday. He could have very easily just told the UFC, hey, man, I, I don't want to talk to the media. He, he, he talked to me, so I gave him credit for that one. Of course, this is the awesome MMA strategy show. Of course, appreciate everyone checking us out here. Of course, we want to get access to all the great data and tools we have over awesome.com. You got to sign up for an also plus weekly pass for $29.95. And if you're a new user of awesome plus platinum, we got a special offer for you. When you use the promo code MMA strategy show, that's one word, all caps, MMA strategy show for 25% off your first week of also plus platinum. And if you're just looking for an awesome plus MMA package, those start as low as $2.95 weekly. Stop guessing, start winning. Join also plus today. And uh, Brayden was asked about when the UFC pro plays to go in. I, I wait till I do the show with Pete to see if maybe mm -hmm. Pete adjusts uh, maybe some of my thought process there because uh, there are some underdogs that uh, kind of do stick out to me as people I want to get in there. So you can check out those pro plays later on today. If you're an awesome plus member, be sure to take advantage of that deal that we have going on right now during the show, MMA strategy show for 25% off your first week of also plus platinum. Next up, we have got the flyweight debut of former bandweight champion Cody Garbrandt as he takes on Kai Car France. Kai Car France 7500 8700 for Cody Garbrandt and uh this is a salary that really did stick out to me. I thought it would not be as high as it is uh, on Cody Garbrandt and uh you know one of the things uh, the one thing that he said yesterday that stuck out to me Pete was he talked about he feels 125 is a more natural weight class for him. He he kind he talked about as a bantamweight, he just wasn't as big as the other bantamweights out there. Um, you know, the stigma that has been around Cody Garbrandt for some time now is the chin. But I mean, look, we saw that chin hold up against Rob Font, you know, and and Rob, you know, throw you know throws them bungalows out there, especially with that that jab here. Um, this is this is why it's tough to break this fight down for me as we sit here on Thursday. I want to see what Cody looks like on the scale. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I want to see how he looks on the scale, how he makes way. Um, I did really think that the the salary of Cody Garbrandt was probably going to be in the 8,400, 8,300 range. 8,700 is a little up there, but I actually thought that I was going to really like Kai Kara France in this matchup. And then I started watching some film and I really got pulled into Garbrandt's direction. And, and the reason I got pulled into Garbrandt's direction is because stats don't tell it all and when you when you look at the stats of the Garbrandt Rob Font fight it looks like you know he was content to to sit back and get pieced up from the outside yeah Rob Font had a significant reach advantage in that matchup but I'll tell you what I did like about Garbrandt is how he was able to take some shots in there he was returning fire which he's always live to to get a KO 
because he has some incredible power for the division. But I liked how he went back to his roots of the wrestling, and um, he actually was able to to get Rob in some awesome, you know, get him with some awesome takedowns. Um, and I think that could really be the difference maker in a matchup like this. He's naturally going to be a bigger guy in this weight class. Whenever a fighter cuts a lot of weight, you do worry about that affecting their chin. And a chinny fighter going a weight class lower with a with a weight cut against a power striker is not usually a recipe for success. But I will say that Cody Garbrandt really sticks out to me as a as a guy that could ragdoll Kaikara France. Uh, Kaikara France was was getting completely outworked and outpositions against uh, Rogerio Bonterine had his back taken and uh, was in all sorts of trouble, showed some excellent skills in, in dealing with adversity, but uh, he was seconds and moments away from being finished and was controlled for a large majority of that and then broke off, created space, landed some big shots, and ended up getting the, the first-round KO. And could he knock out Cody, Cody Garbrandt? Absolutely. I actually think despite the weight class, I will be prioritizing this fight because I can see the winner of it having a pretty high total. Um, and the high total for Cody Garbrandt would probably be because of, uh, takedowns. I, I think that he can end up getting multiple takedowns. His gas tank was somewhat suspect last, last fight. And that's why I was a little, little concerned about it, but I know that he was dealing with some, you know, uh, lingering effects of, of COVID and all of that. So perhaps he has a better fight camp this time around. Perhaps the weight cut doesn't really zap him because, if he has the same type of type of gas tank, I can bank on him getting two rounds, but I do worry about that third round fatigue when you're a sitting duck against a power striker. Yeah, it, it, it's, you know, it, early on the week, I was really kind of looking at Kai Carr France. And, and mm-hmm. I think it's because I was like about a week, week and a half ago, I saw this picture of Cody Garbrandt where I'm like, if he's not 126 right now, oh. where's this weight coming off? I mean, he just looks so skinny. Yeah, yeah, and leaned out, and so it, it was just one of those things. I was like, mm. you know, so I, I do want to see it there, but I mean, look, it, it, as long as it's not a tough weight cut, I, I think I do like Cody in the spot. But um, Kai Car France will be someone that I will want to get to um, in, in in a you know twenty max or one fifty max. Yeah, for sure, I feel the same way. And like I said, I, I thought I'd really like Kai Car France a little bit more. I just don't. I think he has improving takedown defense, but I think that's the way to beat Kai Car France. And if Cody's you know, made a career out of fighting at 135 pounds. Now a weight class lower, you would imagine he will be so strong compared to these guys. And just all in all, I think that he is the better fighter in this situation. It's just, you know, Kai Car France could end up finding that chin as the fight pro- uh, prolongs. The opening fight of the pay-per-view will be the sugar show. Sean O'Malley taking on Rui on Pavia. Uh, Pavia. 7,100, 9,100 uh, for Sugar Sean. Uh, can you make the case for Pavia as an underdog here? I, I wanted to, and I still want to. I think that Holly and Paiva is uh, a live dog. And the reason I think that he's a live dog is because Sean O'Malley um, is somewhat fragile. Uh, he's susceptible of getting damaged throughout a fight. We've seen that. Um, I do think that he can end up getting caught one of these days against a, a, a guy who sits down and throws with some heat and Holly and Piva for the weight class. I mean, he fighting at fly flyweight and then, you know, becoming a bantamweight essentially, I think that you would expect him to have faster hands and faster strikes. He's more powerful than he is fast. And I think Sean O'Malley will have the speed advantage in this situation. Piva has a slight edge and pop. 
and that edge and pop can definitely result in, in hurting his opponent. Um, but I, I'll tell you what, man, Holly and Piva was rocked so bad in that Kyler Phillips fight. And he keeps his hands really, really low. And I, I feel like Sean O'Malley and Sean O'Malley's management, they're not cherry picking opponents, but they're strategically picking opponents that kind of uh, favor his skill set, which makes a ton of sense where he can go out there, showcase his skills, hit somebody with some quick damaging shots in hopes that they don't recover. Um, and I think that Sean O'Malley's speed is going to be the difference maker here. Uh, I think that if Piva decides to grapple, it'll be pretty even, slight lean towards Piva, but I know O'Malley's been working extensively on that. But like I said, I am favoring O'Malley. I think that if Kyler Phillips, who I hold in a high regard, can hurt you and ultimately just like exhausted himself from, from significant output in round one, I think a, a Sean O'Malley with good pace and tricky combinations, I think he's going to do the same. I think we're going to see Piva get knocked out here. The thing that I laugh about of people knocking Sean O'Malley and the matchups he's had, he's being smart. Like he's yeah. just not taking it. And look, and the UFC is being smart about this as well. They're not stupid. They understand they have something like, I mean, yeah. Would you love to see Sean O'Malley get tested against someone who has a grappling? Of course you would. But if, if I'm in the management of Sean O'Malley, I'm not trying to push that. Yeah. And, and like Bulldog is saying, he says he doesn't think Pive is the scrub. People think he is. He's not the scrub at all. I actually think that Pive is pretty skilled. And if O'Malley, um, gets backed up at all. I worry about him getting caught with a right hand, but I, I think that dictating the pace and taking the center of the octagon is going to be crucial for O'Malley to, you know, build off of that momentum. And, um, I just think that Piva lacks defensive response. And sometimes you don't have to have the best, you know, defensive skills, but you need to have the correct defensive response. And I see hands down, chin up in the air, uh, seeing is believing and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the neural quantum processor because this is an audio ad unless you can see it which means you already have one nice Samsung more wow than ever looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season test your skills on prize picks the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Get rocked multiple times. Okay, you think that when I punch Jason in the face, Jason is going to start. Whoa, whoa, his whoa, 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 whoa. I'm just whoa. doing it for the, I'm just doing it for the viewers. 
uh, if oh oh for the viewers, <laughs> me get punched in the face. Oh, I see how to. You know what? I, th- I, I thought say, you liked me. I, I thought you, you liked face. Me. I think what, that what are you? You're probably you, going to work there? on keeping your hands high. You're probably going to want to keep your hands higher. Uh, Piva doesn't really respond how a coach would like. He's a live dog for sure. That's basically how I can sum it up. But I do expect Sean O'Malley to go out there and get the victory. Oh man, if I'm up against you, I'm just taking you right into the ground. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't wasting. I ain't, I am not playing karate point fight with you. No, I'm going straight to them legs. Yeah, hey, that's fine. You you could be the bull. I'll be the matador, and uh, you'll get O'Malley. So, <laughs> look, I, I will say this. I think when you're looking at, especially on the DraftKings side of the equation, of course, we don't have pricing out for Fanduel yet. You know, when when you look at who are potentially fighters who could get that 25-point bonus for a first-minute stoppage. Mm. Sean O'Malley, I'm putting in that category. First minute? I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's every time he fights, right? Like, he could go out there and get a quick knockout for sure. Um, I think that for a striker, the best thing is to go out there and get respect early. As soon as the bell rings, if you can get out there, Obviously, not get a little too overzealous and bring your hips forward. But if you can crack somebody early, you want them to think immediately, like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a long night. What did I get myself into? So I, I would agree with you. Next up, we've got the return of Josh Emmett taking on Dan Ege, 8,800 for Josh Emmett, 7,400 for Dan Ege. Uh, you know, when I think of Dan Ege, I think of a guy that is just going to keep coming. You know, and we've seen, you know, obviously Josh Emmett coming off the injury layoff of completely tearing his ACL. Uh, you know, uh, he talked about yesterday about how 2020 was a very rough year for him, not just the injuries, but family situations as well. Um, this is one of those fights that I really want to target for cash. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, it's tough to really put an asterisk and say that you have a ton of faith in somebody when they are overcoming a ridiculous surgery. Um, but I really do like Josh Emmett's skill set. I really like Dan Ige and Dan Ige is always in some really tough fights, right? Like he's just had some amazing fights, but also against some of the toughest competition. And he's a guy where I feel like the UFC calls when they need an exciting matchup and he doesn't even care who it is. He just accepts it. He comes from a very strong camp. And I do think that uh, extreme couture is, a camp that is somewhat underrated in 2021, because I think that they have a a great coach in Eric Nixick. Mm -hmm. Um, Josh Emmett is always interesting to me because unlike most fighters in this division, he has like ridiculous power, like ridiculous power. And I think that he might have the best power in the division. Um, I'm not too, I'd have to really look at the whole list of, of the fighters, but I think that he's in the top three. Um, Emma can really turn the tide by hitting you once. In addition to that, he has outstanding wrestling to rely on in his back pocket. If you decide I'm going to go to grappling route or if a round is close Emma could go and chain the takedown together. The, the Shane Burgos fight really caught me by surprise because we just saw him go up against a legitimately high skilled striker and he handled that well. Um, you know, I, I thought that straight punches in that fight could have been the difference maker and Shane Burgos could have, you know, really had success there. He did have periods of success, but Josh Emmett just looked like head and shoulders above him in, in, in that matchup at 8,800. I like Josh Emmett. It's just Danny Gay's toughness is ridiculous. Does he end up getting a finish? Does he end up paying off that price tag? 
I'm leaning Emmett in the matchup, but like, like I said, I could see where your cash lineups, you know, construction would start here and uh, where your GPP concerns could possibly be for this matchup. Someone asked about if Danny Gay has been dropped for Wobble. He has been dropped one time in his UFC run. That was against Edson Barboza. Yeah. You ready, you ready for a crazy Josh Emmett stat? Let's hear it. His last six fights, he has scored at least one knockdown in all six of those fights. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. Like, I, I don't want to overthink it so much. I'm going to put Josh Emmett in my lineups. His power is just different. And Dan, Dan Ige looked like he had amazing power as well. I mean, he went out there and uh, – uh, had a, a nice knockout over Gavin Tucker and that right hand looked pretty powerful. So uh, yeah. th- this is going to be an, a hell of a fight. I can't wait to watch it, but it's Emmett for me. And, and you think about it, and it's like you mentioned about that Shane Burgos fight. He yeah. threw, he landed 136 strikes in a three round fight. That's the thing, right? Like when I was sitting there, I don't like looking at stats. I don't like, I like looking at fight footage and then I'll watch. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll watch the fights I'll check out the stats, then I'll check out the odds last. Um, the one thing I was like, oh, yeah, Josh Emmer has amazing power, but does he have the volume? Well, he has both. Okay, well, does he have the wrestling? Yeah, he does. He checks so many boxes for me. I, I really like Emma here. The one worry is just obviously the layoff and overcoming that surgery. Next up, we got Pedro Munoz and Dominic Cruz, both priced at 8100 Overall, DraftKings, and uh, like when I think about the, obviously everything Dominic Cruz is related what? over the past twenty four hours. What is the about, heck? What uh, are we? What is that? Yeah, about? let's talk about that. That's the elephant in the room right okay. now. Okay, as I've been in play by play broadcasting for twenty years. If you want to have criticism of a fellow broadcaster, you don't do that in a public forum. Um, I think there's more to this story than just an honest criticism. Um, I think there's a part of the story. We just don't know what it is. Yeah. I mean, if you, you can always tell that like Dominic Cruz is always upset at somebody else. You notice that? Like he, I, I like Dominic Cruz's skill set. Um, I think he's a very intelligent, uh, commentator and all that. But if you really go back and you look at every time Dominic Cruz has voiced an opinion, it's a lot like there's, there's multiple scenarios where he's unhappy and somebody is to blame or some like, why are you going to do that? That's like me, like uh, legitimately you, calling out Jason for bad takes or lack of preparation or something like that. Like that would never happen. It's, it's well, ridiculous. And that's, that'd be a conversation we would have privately. A heated conversation privately. Yeah, I mean, never like, publicly like to sit there and like, like if I'm not going to go, Hey Pete, man, you need to watch more film. Right. Like, like that is literally what Don McCruz is saying. And I'm just sitting there going as someone who is a part of a behind the scenes play, I play broadcast. Like, I don't think someone has to watch 20 hours of fight film. You just got to sit there, kind of understand what they do, see mm-hmm. their tendencies on film. And, and the one thing I'll say from a play by play aspect is as a color analyst, obviously you got to be informed of what you're doing, but there's also the entertainment aspect of it. Right. Of course. And I think, I think DC does a, is a very good mix of those. I mean, like, look, like I love listening to Paul Feller. I love listening to Michael Bisming. Um, you know, Dominic Cruz is very good, but where DC said, he's like, you, cause he kept asking DC. He's like, well, what do I do? Well, he goes, you're dry. DC's right. Yeah. Okay. So like, what works for you may not work for me and what, you know what I mean? Like everybody has a different, uh, you know, method or, or anything. I don't know. 
regardless, I think that DC is going to be, be the biggest Pedro Munoz backer this weekend uh, because Dominic Cruz opens his mouth all the time. So, so skilled, thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, Manny, but he's one of the best fighters ever. He really is for this division. Uh, his movement is extremely unique. He frustrates a ton of people because of his evasive techniques. His striking is in and out movement, but also he can chain together takedowns to solidify rounds, change it up, mix it up, keep you guessing. I like him here at 8,100. Um, obviously, if he stands in the pocket and gets into a heated exchange, similar to how he did against Cody Garbrandt, he will get caught and he will get dropped. Um, you saw Cody Garbrandt drop him. Also saw Henry Cejudo. There's, there's a moment for Pedro Munoz to, to knock out Dominic Cruz. It's just Pedro Munoz packs power, but he's pretty slow for the division. And I think a, a guy who has so many tools in Dominic Cruz can, can really just piece this together and walk away with a victory. I, I like Cruz's matchup because that movement, but I also do wonder at, at what point are we going to start to see kind of that age, the age and the injuries ultimately catch up to him. And that movement is not as crisp as it, as it was when this guy was the, the, the class of this division. Yeah. I mean, Father Time's undefeated. And uh, I think that, you know, Dominic Cruz isn't the same fighter that he used to be by, by all accounts, but he's still a part of that, you know, top tier. And his skill set is extremely unique where on any given night, that in and out movement, it's just when, when your opponent's going to hit air and miss a lot, it can, you know, mess with your mind a lot and also can affect the judges too. When they're seeing you throw a ton of strikes and none of them are landing, they're going to favor the effective striking and the to the guy who's on the outside just kind of pitter-pattering you and uh, outpointing you. So I like Dominic Cruz here. All in all, not my favorite fight to target. As uh, Aiden mentions, he's, he's probably going to try to fade this a little bit. I won't say fade, but I'll say I'm okay with being slightly underweight to it just because I know how Dominic Cruz fights tend to go. Um, if it does hit the mat, you worry about Pedro Munoz's jiu-jitsu. Me, not so much, though. I think that Dominic Cruz is wise to it, and he's a pretty uh, pretty skilled grappler. I, I would live in exposure in GPPs on this one. Yeah, okay. Uh, of course, uh, we are sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. With Monkey Knife Fight, you are in charge of their player prop contest. Of course, we tell you about Monkey Knife Fight for some time, so you got to check it out over at monkeyknifefight.com. Use the promo code AWESOME. Get an instant first match deposit of up to $100. Let's take a look at the main event and co-main event. Total strikes landed. Main event, Dustin Poirier, 89.5. Charles Alvaro, 52.5. Um. Those both seem a little low to me. That's that's kind of where I was thinking. I think it's a double more situation. Yeah. Now I'm on a double less situation in the co-main event. Amanda Nunez, 86 and a half. Juliana Pena, 59 and a half. But yeah, you think yeah. it's going to be done in 35 seconds. So of course you're on double well, less. Would that shock you? No, it wouldn't shock me. I just don't think that's happening. Um, Jeez, I, I didn't know I, I was doing a show with the president, Juliana uh, Pena fan club over here. <laughs> no, I'm not, man. But Are I you going to show up on Saturday with Juliana Pena? Uh, you have, Venom listen, shirt? we cannot be blinded by just like how talented Amanda Nunes is. Like there are hungry fighters out there that can win rounds. You think that she doesn't lose rounds in sparring? 
Oh, I'm sure she does. By the way, uh, Tyler mentioned to me uh, the monkey knife fight line has changed since I did my run sheet on this one. It's now 76 and a half and 53 and a half. And that's one of the things I've always talked about monkey knife yeah. fight. When you see a line you like, you got to jump on it. For sure. For sure. Um, I will say more on Amanda Nunez, less on Juliana Pena. Double S, double S. Okay. And next up, uh, we talk about uh, boom bust fights. This is definitely one of them. Um, Augusta Sakai and Tata Tuavasa. 7,900 for Augusta Sakai, 8,300 for Tata Tuavasa, which, first off, if you don't love Tata Tuavasa's personality, I don't know what to say to you. Uh, I, saw, I, I saw this tweet from Mark Ramondi. Tata Tuavasa was asked how many shoeies he's done in his life. His reply How many times has a priest been to church? I love it. Tremendous. Like, that is a great, like, look, last week we talked about these great lines in MMA. I mean, Gus Johnson, these things happen in MMA. Cheyenne Villama saying, I'll follow you home, bitch. Like, this yeah. this goes in, in that group of great lines in MMA. Absolutely, for sure. I mean, tied to a boss is just an electric personality. The UFC has found a guy who will go out there and uh, provide exciting matchups and exciting fights, but he also has the personality in that niche. Like he has that X factor about him where people are like, I want him to win. Cause I want him to do a shoey. And they all start throwing shoes at him. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah. He, he's definitely created himself into a, uh, into a star. So it, it's pretty neat to see. Oh man. You know what I'm going to do, right? What? Your next fight. I'm you ain't people. doing a shoey. There's no I'm way. Gonna- no, I'm gonna have people in the audience ready to go. I'm going to count them out. It has to start throwing eight. shoes at you. <laughs> I might, yeah. I'll throw, I'll throw them right back, beam them right in the head. There ain't no way I'm doing a shoe. I just get out of here. You got at least one friend that would do it. Oh yeah, but I'm, I'm not doing a shoe out of my friend's shoe. You're out your damn mind. I ain't doing that. Look, look. This is the thing about this fight. Not a ton of volume from each guy. Now, each of them could very well. Like, if you tell me this fight hits the third round, I I like Augusta Sky more than I like Todd Tuavasa. Yeah. But Tuavasa, guy, I've got a circle for GPPs. It makes sense. I I think that's fair because Tuivasa has that uh, KO power and can definitely win via finish more so than I think Augusta Sakai can. I'm actually picking Augusta Sakai to edge out Tai Tuivasa in a a sloppy three round fight. Sakai, you know, showed that he has some toughness and uh, some skills in that Overeem fight over five rounds. Rosenstrike fight, his chin did not hold up in that one. And I don't, I don't really know if that's to discredit Sakai or really just because Rosenstrike's power is so, so different. Um, I think that Augusto Sakai can be on his P's and Q's and uh, put together a complete striking performance where they're both going to have moments. I am just leaning towards the underdog and Sakai to pull this one out. I know even from outside the UFC, he's put together some, some impressive wins that, that really surprised me. Uh, Czech Congo is one that really sticks out to me, but I, I think at 7,900 Sakai is going to come through in a decision. Another boom bust fight is, is Jordan Wright and Bruno Silva, Bruno Silva, 9,400, 6,800 for Jordan, Wright, I mean, look, I would be rather surprised if this fight goes off 15 minutes. Yeah, this is on, the top of my priority list. Uh, I think that Bruno Silva is being fed a very nice matchup here. Mm-hmm. Jordan Wright on paper looks extremely dangerous himself. And to his credit, he is. He's trained under Anthony Hardonk. Uh, he has some good Muay Thai, um, has some power as well, but it's that striking defense and you know his defensive skills that I think can can, you know, 
work against him here. And and Bruno Silva really showed that he's he can get ragdolled against Andrew Sanchez and then literally turned the tide by landing a few combinations and putting together some some excellent punches en route to a victory and stopping you. I think Bruno Silva's just power is different when, when you knock out Alexander Shlomenko on the regional scene. Uh, yeah, you, you have my attention. At 9,400, I think Bruno Silva ends up knocking out Jordan Wright. Now, Jordan Wright could find the chin of Bruno Silva with a knee and elbow. He's very tricky. He has some deceptive striking. He doesn't look like he's a dangerous fighter, but, you know, as long as Bruno Silva doesn't overlook him too much, I think that Silva's going to walk away with a a pretty easily hand-fed opponent here. And 9,400, I think he can get 95-plus points all day long. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a fight in terms of GPPs. You got to prioritize just because of the high finish probability. Next up, we got a matchup between Andre Muniz and Eric Anders, 8,500 for Muniz, 7,700 for Anders. Uh, I spoke to Anders at the end of last week, and the biggest takeaway I took from it was he was talking about his evolution as a fighter Mm -hmm. since going over to Fight Ready and essentially saying, I've got a game plan every time I go in there now, which I thought was kind of interesting based on some of the gyms he's been to in the past. Yeah. I mean, sometimes coaches don't provide game plans and uh, some fighters don't want them. If a fighter of mine wants a game plan, obviously I'm going to develop one. And naturally I'm always going to develop one to tailor around my fighter's strengths and to possibly expose our opponent's weaknesses. So this is an interesting fight for me. I think that Eric Anders coming off those two strange performances against uh, Darren Stewart, the first one looked absolutely dominant. Um, and then basically threw an illegal knee had no reason to do that. He was mm-hmm. seconds away from, from walking away with a, a first round finish. Um, the, the rematch against Darren Stewart's a little interesting because you did see Darren Stewart have some more moments of success. Uh, Eric Anders can get taken down. Uh, I know that he has some solid jiu-jitsu and some solid grappling behind him. He's a big physical guy for this division. It's you know less about Eric Anders and it's more about Andre Muniz for me. 8,500, not really sure how this is going to score, but I'm really just favoring Muniz's game. Uh, I know that Jacare Souza is one of the best jiu-jitsu practitioners in MMA and at the tail end of his career, so how much stock can you really put in that win? But I really think that, you know, Mooney's is grappling is just the difference maker here. I think Anders can get taken down and controlled at times. And I actually think that Mooney's can submit him. If you can submit Jacare Souza, you can submit anybody in the division. So I'm siding with Mooney's here, despite the strong camp of Eric Anders. Next up, we got a female matchup, Miranda Maverick and Aaron Blanchfield. A400 for Miranda Maverick, 7800 for Eric Blanchfield. Uh, this is odd matchmaking to me because Carol. I think, I think these are two fighters who could really be a staple in the division over the next couple of years. So I really don't understand why the UFC decided to match them up here. Uh, just, just weird matchmaking. It doesn't have to happen now. I mean, this is again, another situation where they're, they're pairing two incredible skilled fighters in the early stages of their career when they could meet down the road. I mean, you have two potential stars for this division and, they're always looking for stars in this division. So I don't know why they would want to cannibalize, you know, an opportunity for both of them. Um, so you could totally derail one of these fighters careers with one loss. And that's where I'm just a little puzzled, but I will say that this is an excellent matchup, highly skilled for, for this division. Um, Miranda Maverick coming in at 8,400 Aaron Blanchfield coming in at 7,800. I do really like Miranda Maverick. It's just 
there are some concerns that I saw in the Jillian Robertson fight and also in that Macy Barber fight where she can get put in some bad positions. And I feel like if a, a fighter of Aaron Blanchfield's caliber of grappling can possibly work towards a finish in certain situations and taking the back and working towards a rear naked choke, obviously Aaron Blanchfield's, you know, her last performance really balloons her score and makes her look absolutely incredible. But that's also because she was fighting Sarah Alpar, who not really the best, you know, strength of schedule right there, but I am taking a shot on Aaron Blanchfield as the underdog, to be honest, Jason, 7,800. I think that she showcased some strong striking, uh, the grappling and the wrestling can definitely be the difference maker here. I view this as a, a very even, like an evenly matched contest mm-hmm. where I'm going to favor the, the better overall grappler in Blanchfield. I think she finds a way to get it done here at 7,800, which is actually a surprise to me because I have Miranda Maverick like up there in my standards list. Yeah, I mean, it's one of these ones that I don't know if it's going to bring the score we're going to want, especially we're talking about, you know, a 14-fight card. I would more look at this as a cash games play as opposed to a GPP play. Of course, uh, I did notice being over at DraftKings a little earlier, $150,000 first place this week over in the big contest over there. And, of course, want to see those screenshots. You got to get the Awesome Hall of Fame. Be sure to rock that Awesome Avatar on your DFS profile. Finish in the top three of a contest with over 5,000 contestants and tweet your win. So at Awesome HOF, you win a free month of Awesome Plus Platinum. Only one free month can be awarded to a user per calendar year. So I'd love to see those screenshots coming up here on Saturday for UFC 269. So we got a couple more fights here to mention. So let's kind of get through them here. Alex Perez, Matt Schnell. 9,200 for Alex Perez, 7,000 for Matt Now I was actually kind of surprised on how big of a favorite uh, Alex Perez. I mean, look, he's obviously, he should be the favorite. I was just surprised of how big of a favorite he was in this matchup. Um, I, I do like Alex Perez to win this one, but um, this is one that I do think you got to be looking at because both these guys are finishers. It's interesting. And, uh, you know, Alex Perez, you always want to see how a fighter is going to rebound from uh, from a loss, especially when you were fighting uh, Davidson Figueredo, how, how does he come back from that? Does he look better? Does he improve? Or is his confidence somewhat shattered? We won't know until they get into the cage. Uh, this is a spot where I think that Alex Perez can have a ton of success. Matt Schnell throughout his career has been somewhat susceptible to big shots, uh, can get rocked numerous times, uh, relies on good striking from the outside to outpoint his opponents. He crashes forward a lot with his chin in the air, which has been to his detriment. And I think that's really been his Achilles heel in a lot of matchups uh, off of his back. Matt Schnell is extremely threatening where he can work towards submissions. So you have to be very minded and very, very careful there where Alex Perez was just submitted against Davison Figueroa with a sneaky guillotine choke. So uh, Matt Schnell pulling off the upset really wouldn't surprise me, but it would be via decision like Matt Schnell on the outside somewhat, you know, chipping away at Alex Perez, trying to, you know, outpoint him. Uh, getting a finish over Alex Perez would absolutely blow my my mind. I'm favoring Alex Perez here. I like his power. I like his wrestling. I just like his overall game. I think he's one of the best fighters in the division. And Matt Schnell, one of the most inconsistent for the division. Uh, next up, we have got a matchup of Ryan Hall versus Derek Minner. Uh, no, it did not get canceled. That's actually on my fault. Not putting it in the sidebar there, but uh, this matchup is happening. But uh, really, the biggest thing I take, obviously, Ryan Hall, we all know what Ryan Hall is. Uh, but James Krause, Coach Derek Minner, he's on the Anakin Florian podcast every week now. And the thing that really stuck out to me, Pete, I know you can kind of you know give a, a brief synopsis of this. He said, no single leg isolation, selective takedowns. And he mentioned about how this kind of goes against his core philosophies. Yeah, I think this is a terrible matchup for Derek Maynard, to be honest. 
uh, James Krause, one of the best minds in the business. So if there's a guy that can create a, a game plan to help you solve the puzzle of Ryan Hall, I would believe it's him. Uh, you know, the reason you don't want to isolate legs is because you don't want to get your leg uh, isolated and end up in a 50-50 position. Uh, Ryan Hall rolling for an Imanari roll, you know, trying to knee bar you, hit you with a heel hook, something that he's literally become extremely famous for. I don't like how Derek Minner has lapses on the ground and ends up getting submitted. Yes, he can go out there and possibly test the chin of Ryan Hall by maintaining top position and, you know, working some ground and pound, but... Whenever you're on the mat with Ryan Hall, you're going to be off balance. You're going to be, you know, exposed in numerous ways. It's going to set you up. I mean, Ryan Hall hitting BJ Penn with an Imanari roll heel hook mm -hmm. is absolutely incredible. Will always stick out to me. I love Ryan Hall here at 8,900. It's just there could be a lot of inactivity, and then all of a sudden the fight's over via Ryan Hall pulling off the, the submission finish. Um, Derek Minner testing the chin of Ryan Hall is interesting to me, but mm -hmm. I view Ryan Hall – you know, with such high standards that I think he's going to go out there and make slight work of a guy who gets submitted quite often. Randy Costa versus Tony Kelly. Randy Costa, 9,700 for Tony Kelly. Um, you know, I think we've seen some great evolution in the game of Randy Costa since going down the Sanford MMA. Um, obviously, if you're Tony Kelly, you're you're concerned about those leg kicks. Um, you know, my only concern about Randy Costa is if this fight hits late second, early third round, could Tony Kelly come on and maybe uh, squeeze out a decision? Yeah, I'm I'm interested in this fight. I think that this is going to be, you know, be a part of the optimal just based on how both guys bring it. Um I am worried about the pace and the cardio of Randy Costa where sometimes he can outpace himself and then in rounds 2 and 3 if it get if it goes that far, he's just a shell of himself and and uh his opponents can really take advantage of that. And that's where I think as the fight progresses, Tony Kelly will have success and Randy Costa will uh, you know, definitely you know, not have success and he will be on the receiving end of a lot. So early in round one, I like Randy Costa a lot. He changes his kicks together a lot, uh, works behind his jab. You saw that in the Adrian Yanez fight, absolutely, you know, destroyed him on the feet in round one. Round two looked like he, you know, gave in a little bit to the pressure in the pace of uh, Adrian Yanez. So I'll have pretty near, ex you know, even exposure in this matchup. I think Tony Kelly's one of the best underdogs on the slate, just given the unknowns regarding Randy Costa's gas tank, his ground game, you know, outside of round one, is he the same type of guy? So Tony Kelly, I'm putting an asterisk there, but all in all, I'm going to be smashing this fight for exposure. Uh, of course, we get our straight up DFS picks here in a moment. Of course, coming up next is the NHL strategy show. One more fight, Julian Robinson versus Priscilla Ketchawara. Uh, this is simple to me, Pete. Julian Robinson, you got to take this to the ground. Priscilla, you got to keep the feet on the fight on the feet. Yeah, and I think uh, Priscilla Cachoeira, she struggles in the in the takedown defense department sometimes. And against a fighter in Jillian Robertson, who really excels in that, um, her striking has gotten better over time. But I don't want her to get into a striking match or a firefight with Priscilla Cachoeira. For for the division, Cachoeira has some of the best power, and she can really turn the tide of a fight. You saw that in her last performance against uh, Gina Mazzani. So. I think G uh, Jillian Robertson needs to clinch up with her leg lacer, trip her to the ground, you know, rinse and repeat, get on top, avoid, you know, bad positions and uh, work her way towards a decision or submission finish that I think Cachoeira can get exposed on the mat. So I I'm, I'm picking Jillian Robertson in the fight, but obviously this is low level women's MMA. You got to be very, very careful. There's a uh, straight up picks uh, for this one, not DFS relay. I'll give you mine first. Give me Dustin Poirier, uh, Nunez, Neil, Garbrandt, O'Malley, Emmett, Cruz, Tuavasa, Silva, 
going to go with uh, my guy, Eric Anders. I go with my guy, Eric Anders, even though it's a tough matchup for him. Uh, I'm going to go Blanchfield, a little bit of an upset there. Give me Perez. Give me Derek Minner taking the James Krause with upset here. Uh, I'll go Randy Costin, Jillian Robertson. All right. I'm going to go Dustin Poirier, Amanda Nunes, Jeff Neal, Cody Garbrandt, Sean O'Malley, Josh Emmett, Dominic Cruz, Augusto Sakai, Bruno Silva, Andre Muniz, Aaron Blanchfield, Alex Perez, Ryan Hall, Tony Kelly, and Jillian Robinson. Uh, I'll be rooting for Ryan, Randy Costa like crazy, but I, I think that it's a all in all, it's just I, there's so many unknowns for that fight. Of course, we'll be back on Saturday for live before lock home. Next is the NHL strategy show. So keep it locked here at awesome.com all day long. So that's going to do it for us. We will talk to you on Saturday for live before lock. Have a good day, everybody. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100 that's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100 prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well there you have it you can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com play for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details